I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today we are celebrating. It's the 100th episode of CMO Moves and I couldn't be more excited to share this moment with you. It's going to be a really big episode because we've got to recap 99 episodes to date with listeners' favorite moments. And a few weeks ago, I put out a couple of social posts asking listeners to submit their votes for which episode they liked the most and why. And I couldn't believe uh, the input that I got. It, it literally, there's not an episode that wasn't touched or didn't touch somebody in a very special way, all for different reasons. And so it was really challenging, actually, to come up with what I was going to share today and have this not go on for like seven hours. So I'm going to do my best to recap it. So grab a pen and paper. There's going to be a ton of notes that hopefully will help you in your career journeys as well. But before I get started, I have a little confession to make. Last Friday in San Francisco, we had an early celebration of the 100th episode of CMO Moves. And it was really uh, interesting because it's a first time event. A lot of us came together to collaborate and putting this together. And it was meant to bring together my former guests and upcoming guests of CMO Moves, as well as our other series with women trailblazers, innovators, Gen CEOs, challengers, and also a very special moment. It's the end of the Ad Week Executive Mentor Program, round one. So uh, lots to celebrate. So a whole bunch of us got together in San Francisco and we spent the day sharing our tips for success and what we've learned in our careers and learning from each other. We decided to call this CMO Move Summit. And this one was CMO Move Summit West. Today, actually, we're doing CMO Move Summit East, and I'm in New York. And just based on how last Friday went and how I hope today will go, we're going to do more of these. So stay tuned. I'll be sharing more details for upcoming summits. But it truly was very, very special. And I can't thank all of the guests who came, as well as all of the Adweek mentees who were in the program. So big, big, big thanks. 
So let's get rolling, shall we, with the 100th episode of SEMA Moves, bringing back some of the listeners' favorite moments of the first 99 episodes. So I think the best place to start is really from the beginning. Perhaps even before the beginning, when a little seed was planted by Linda Boff, the CMO of GE. You see, I had just wrapped up authoring the ANA CMO Talent Challenge playbook, and Linda said to me, you know, you really should consider doing a podcast. And I had actually never even listened to a podcast at that time. So I went to my husband and shared Linda's suggestion with him. And his response was, well, I've been telling you that for months. So now I'm really starting to take this seriously. I called a few friends and said, hey, if I do a podcast, would you want to be on it? And they said yes. And so it began. My first guest on CMO Moves was Seth Farman. And he, at the time, was the CMO of Spotify. And this actually was submitted by Eric Toda, another guest. But this was his favorite episode because Eric said this was really the proof of concept that there could be 99 more episodes. So we called Seth's episode Belief Systems, Authenticity, and Bravery. And we went deep into how he was leading his team with those values anchored at his core. But what was really funny is how we started the podcast because Seth had just launched his own podcast. So this was a first for me and he was quite new as a podcaster himself. So have a listen. Hi everyone, welcome to CMO Moves. I am here today talking with Seth Farman, CMO of Spotify. So Seth, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Nadine. It's good to be here. Great. Thank you for joining. You know, Seth, I have to be honest with all the listeners. You are my very first recording. And so I am thrilled that you're first because you're also a podcast host yourself. I am. I'm a podcast host in training is the way I look at it. I think we all are. This is a, it's funny. I was going to say it's a new format, but it's not. It's been around for a while, but it's really just emerged as a very fascinating uh, format. And there's something much more authentic about it than most of the overly produced formats out there. And I think that people sense that, that it's a couple of people talking. I actually really believe in what you just said, because you said it's all about being authentic and it's about letting the conversation happen naturally. And that is exactly what this podcast is all about. It's about us talking about the real deal you know, everything out there these days tends to be scripted or has to be blessed or goes through 18 corrections before it ever gets out there. And I feel like we've lost the ability to just talk to each other as human beings. So, so nice that I can actually have a conversation with you here. It'll be fun. And look, you're taking on a, a challenge because you're talking to marketers and marketers by definition are thinking about a final package product or thinking about the clarity of the narrative and done well, that's fantastic. But if you overprocess, then it feels like advertising. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want to avoid just in communications in general. Right. So there are a lot of marketers who have to unlearn everything that has been learned over the last couple of decades. And that requires a level of vulnerability that's sometimes uncomfortable for all of us. So with the first podcast done and out the door, 
and with great guardrails from Seth, like vulnerability and getting uncomfortable, CMO moves continued to roll out, and we launched four episodes within the very first week, actually. One was Seth's, and we followed that up with Linda Boff, Antonio Lucio, and Deborah Wall. So one of the themes that kept coming up, and especially as I got to around episode 12, was the role of the CMO and what that means. And obviously, CMO Moves is about the moves that they made to get to their roles. So we we had a lot of learnings come out of those first 12 episodes. What I decided to do was take a minute and pull together a few clips from each of those first 12 episodes that also included Diego Scotti, Bruce Rogers, Tony Rogers, Denise Carcos, Raja Raja Manar, Evan Green, and Greg Welsh. And we put them into an audio compilation and posted them on social. So for those of you who didn't get a chance to hear it, here are just a few sound bites from that clip. Uh, you really need to think about your career as a collection of experiences. That's what really matters. There's a point where you just, you have to pick where you're gonna be an expert and you have to pick where you need help and be conscious of that. The, the biggest thing for me to do to be successful at TV Ameritrade was to earn the credibility of the businesses. If you look at the role of a CMO today, it comes with a substantial accountability as to how the money that the CMO controls is being spent and what the company is getting in return. The role of the CMO has been and will always be to build brands that stand the test of time. I believe, we believe, that building unique, memorable, and relevant, and importantly differentiated brands are the key to building businesses that stand the test of time. I boil it down in four or five buckets today of the traits that what most CEOs want that are going to appear in most of our job specifications. One, and it starts with leadership. So one of the funniest things about how all this got started, too, is just simply the logistics. I can't tell you how many people have asked me, how did you do it? You know, what kind of equipment did you buy? How did you get set up? Did you record in a studio? And the short answer is, it was kind of a hot mess, frankly. I had no idea what I was doing. I had a laptop, I had a microphone, I had a dragon pad, I had all the books, uh, like podcasts for dummies, uh, laying on my shelf. And it was really interesting because what I discovered very quickly is, it doesn't matter what I try to do, everybody is different. They're gonna be available at different times. They're gonna be calling in from their cell phone. They'll use a Zoom link, or I might actually be, have a chance to sit with them in person. But there was one in particular that was really, really funny because it was about episode 24, I think. It was Musa Tariq, and he had just left Ford as the youngest chief brand officer, and he was in search of his new role. And he said to me, he said, Nadine, well, I can't even say it how he says it because he's got a lovely accent and I don't. Um, but he said, Nadine, you know, your audio quality really needs improvement. And I said, oh, okay. Well, wh what do you want to do about that? And he said, you really need to, to raise it up a little bit better. So I thought, okay, hmm, 
I made a few phone calls and got a hold of a friend of mine, Nick Buzzle, the CEO of NBTV Studios, and I said, hey, any chance you have a studio in San Francisco I could borrow? And he said, yeah, absolutely. So he called a bunch of friends and we wound up at KFOG, which is part of Cumulus, to record with Musa. And when we walked into this studio, it was massive and we were so overwhelmed. It was pure fun. Here's a little clip just to give you a sense of of what I mean. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I am with Musa Tariq, who is the former chief brand officer of Ford. Musa, hi and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. I'm so excited you are here too. (laughs) And I can't help but chuckle a little bit because I'm staring at you across the studio and this is the very first time that I'm actually recording in a legitimate studio, which we're at Westwood One Cumulus Radio and you complained about my audio quality. <laughs> <laughs> you said, Nadine, you got to do something about your audio quality. Well, voila, here you go. It's positive feedback, I thought. Yes, it was. When look, and now you put me in this huge studio and I feel really nervous all of a sudden. <laughs> hey, you know what? Me too, bud. So <laughs> let's do this together. I'm wearing headphones that weigh more than my head. and uh, But this is cool. Super cool. So as you can tell, we started off on a delightful note. And we actually chatted for, gosh, it must have been an hour. And we covered so much ground. I I couldn't even get all the great content into his one podcast. But what was truly remarkable about his podcast is it was the first one I put out where somebody wasn't actually in a role, but looking for a role. And this was really special because Musa shared a lot about what he was going through at that moment in time and how he was searching for the perfect next role. Now, fast forward to Brand Week last year, which was more than a year and a half later. Musa came to the stage, and we actually recorded a a second podcast with him, an update to his first one, because Musa had found his personal North Star at this point. And so he shared more on his journey of how he discovered that personal North Star and the role that he was in then and still today, which is the global head of marketing for Airbnb experiences. And I will say for anybody out there who doesn't believe in the power of sharing honest feedback and honest tips, I cannot believe how successful both his first and his second podcast have been on CMO Moves. In fact, his second podcast smashed every single record of CMO moves to date. So yet another proof point to myself, at least, that we were on the right path. And speaking of paths and and how they change and turn, you know, I've had so many memorable moments in CMO moves, it's hard to list them all. And so many people have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. Um, Some are privileged to see it uh, so they can laugh at me along the way. But there have been a couple of really crazy notable moments that I I just thought there's no way I'm going to get through this. Um, So the first one that comes to mind was when I was recording with Nick Drake, who was then the head of marketing for T-Mobile and has since moved over to Google. So I was in Las Vegas. It was CES and I discovered my microphone wasn't working about an hour before I was supposed to record with Nick Drake. And 
you know, this is the largest electronics show in the world, you would think you could actually find a microphone someplace. But nope, couldn't do that. So I needed to get over to Best Buy where they were selling the microphones, but they were 15 minutes away and there was no transportation left to get me there. So I looked around, I couldn't find a cab, I, I couldn't get an Uber, I couldn't get anything. And the only thing left was a limo party bus. So yes, I rented a limo party bus for 20 people and took myself alone in a party bus to Best Buy, bought a microphone, came back, and showed up in time to record with Nick Drake. And to make matters more interesting, I'd actually almost lost my entire voice by that point because we were three days into the show and I had been out interviewing a ton of people. So here I am showing up fresh off a party bus, no voice, and Nick Drake is looking at me thinking, oh my God, she must have just went out partying all night and now she's going to interview me. How is this going to work? But Nick is such a fun, loving guy. He actually got a real big kick out of it and we had a wonderful recording with a lot of tea and honey. Another fun story was with my good friend, Eric Toda. Eric Toda was at Gap. He was the head of marketing for a brand called Hill City, which was a new fashion line that Gap was building in secrecy. And he'd been working on this for a full year at that point. And he called me, he said, hey, Nadine, we're about ready to launch this line. Nobody knows about it. Do you wanna help me launch? And I said, sure, how can I do that? And we decided to record his CMO Moves podcast and release it the day of launch. So I actually got my first real scoop, but rather than me recapping that whole experience, let's hear from Eric himself. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. I am so excited today because I have Eric Toda with me. It's a very, very big day because he just announced from Gap headquarters that they are launching a new brand and Eric is the head of marketing. Eric, hi and welcome to the show. Excited to be here. Thanks for welcoming me, Nadine. I am so excited. You know, when I actually met you a year ago now almost, I knew you were up to something really, really big. And you said, I can't tell you, it's a secret. And I was like, what's the secret? I hate not knowing the secret. So tell us about this secret. What have you been working on for a year? Yeah. So for the past year, I've been at Gap Inc. I left Airbnb. And to be honest with you, I had no intentions of leaving Airbnb. Um, we were doing great work. I had an amazing team of the, some of the best talent I've ever worked with. But the Gap and Gap Inc. approached me with a pretty unique opportunity uh, to do two things, to learn, but most importantly, to build. And so today, when this launches, we would have announced uh, a new brand, a new company for Gap Inc. And that brand and company is called Hill City. We built it around a year ago. And for the past year, we've been building on it. So we've been building the marketing, we've been building the product, we've been building the values, uh, and most importantly, the soul. And I think that when you listen to this, this will be launch day. And this is probably one of the prouder moments of my career, maybe even life, just because I've put a ton of heart and soul into this while not being able to tell anybody about what I've been doing. And so I'm really excited to finally say Hill City is live and Hill City is a brand that we created a year ago. So speaking of crazy things that people do, brands also can be a little bit crazy sometimes too. And crazy in the most delightful and rewarding and brave ways. 
And there's one marketer in particular that has really earned a badge for bravery over and over and over again, and that is Fernando Machado of Burger King. So one of our listeners wrote in, Fabio Marciano, and he was so excited to hear about Fernando's different campaigns that he's run and everybody knows has won tons of awards for. But what he really loved about Fernando's podcast was, quote, Fernando highlighted the importance of doing the foundational work of positioning and research that led to all the great work the industry has celebrated this year. So in Fernando's podcast, we go really, really deep on the campaigns that he's run, his thinking behind it, how he works with his agency partners, and he had a lot to say about being brave and also how to work with agency partners. So here are his tips. I think that when I said I call Burger King and I say I I grew up admiring the work that Crispin Portobogoski used to do uh, back then, I mean it, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, I, it was like the best work when I was a young marketeer, mm-hmm. a younger marketeer. I judge myself still relatively young or not, maybe. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so when I came, I wanted to do something that was at the caliber of that, which is insanely ambitious, I would say, <laughs> because that's the work that I admire the most. I've done some really cool stuff on my past at Unilever, mm-hmm. especially on Dove, but also on Vaseline, like on all those brands, there's such strong brands. But I really, when we started at Burger King, the brand was not at its best. The brand is not the largest in the QSR category. Uh, the brand has a challenger kind of like spirit. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, it was obvious that if you want to stand out and if you want to have a chance of winning, I, I, I would need the idea and the talkability around the idea, the ideas that we brought to the table to, to do the job for me. I cannot rely on an advertising budget to do that. Mm-hmm. I cannot rely on GRPs to overcompensate for average ideas. And honestly, most of the things back then were, it's not that they were terrible, but they were just like very generic. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they could potentially even work for a different brand as long as you have the investment behind. And I think that the ambition was, let's do things that people will look and say, oh my God, only Burger King could pull that off. Mm-hmm. You know, that's quintessentially like Burger King. <laughs> no other brand. And, and that to me comes from the idea, the values and personality of the brand, the spirit embedded on the idea and how bold and daring it is because the brand is bold and daring. And the more you do brave work, the more you do this type of work, in the beginning it's tough. Um, anything that's different will suffer some resistance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but when people start to see that it works, and even when it doesn't work, it doesn't hurt, Yeah. yeah? Uh, <laughs> then uh, you can increase the frequency of those ideas. So I've had the great honor of featuring a, a lot of wonderful marketers on this show. And a lot of listeners sent in a number of choices. And there was a, a really solid theme there around marketers who have a shared passion for storytelling and creativity. So in this group, I wanted to call out a couple of the listener favorites. David Rubin from the New York Times on turning the mundane into magical. Seth Freeman for death to domestication and his work on his Roar campaign. And we heard him roar in the podcast, so that was really, really fun. Tarek Hassan, who was talking about all the initiatives at Petco and the release of oxytocin between consumers when they're thinking about their pets. Um, And Meg Goldthwaite, who is uh, from NPR, the storyteller telling the storyteller's stories. 
But even the best marketers on the planet sometimes get tired of their own campaigns. And I remember talking with Kellen Smith-Kenny about this. She's the global CMO of Hilton Worldwide. And it was a really interesting discussion because she was talking about how campaigns live so much longer than marketers tend to actually want them to live uh, because they do grow tired of their own work. And in those cases, she said, what's critically important is just always make sure that no matter what campaign you're working on, that you stick the landing. So in this little clip, she's going to talk about what that means. And lo and behold, I also found out that Hilton is the inventor of the martini, pina colada, and the brownie. Holy cow. So enjoy this little clip from Kellen. The other thing, and I think this is kind of one of the cardinal sins of marketing, and we all fall into this trap, we get bored of the message way faster than the customer does. Right? The number <laughs> of times, and I've seen this literally at every company I've been at, um, and I'll take an example from you know my prior life when I was at Capital One. That company is so good at product marketing. That company is so good at sticking the landing on the hero message, and for you know, half a decade, they've been spending hundreds of millions of dollars each year talking about what's in your wallet. And as an example, one of their hero products is the Quicksilver card. And you talk about it's unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase. And literally, I still have family members that come to me and they're like, okay, by the way, did you see that Capital One has a card that offers 1.5% cash back? <laughs> I mean, but, but that's, I mean, it's such a lesson, right? They've been saying this for five years with an amazing spokesperson in an incredibly compelling way at heavy, heavy marketing weights. And still today, people are learning of it for the first time. I think as marketers, we have to remember that reach and frequency matters. That's a very good reminder for everyone. And I totally understand what you're saying. And I love this term that you keep using, which is great. Stick the landing. What does it mean to stick the landing? One of the things that, again, is very tempting for marketers is if you clutter your message, it becomes impossible for somebody to repeat the key message takeaway. What is the one thing when they watch this spot or they interact with this activation or they experience your integrated campaign, what is the one thing you want them to remember? and being incredibly disciplined, almost to an extent myopically focused on making sure that thing breaks through. You know, what we talk a lot about is if we are confusing people, if we're bombarding them with extra messages, if we have too many things at the market at the same time, you are actually making it harder for yourself to stick the landing on the most important thing for a customer to know. And so that's where we try to apply discipline and rigor and frankly, good old fashioned prioritization to make sure that the hero claim and the hero of the story really has an opportunity to shine and that there aren't things distracting from it. Really good advice. Thanks for sharing all that. I'm kind of stuck on this whole point that you made around Hilton inventing the brownie, the pina colada, <laughs> <laughs> and the martini. So is that really true? I mean, isn't it so fun? So there's no way I could actually talk about campaigns without talking about purpose. Purpose is such a hot topic. It's uh, on everybody's mind and especially how to communicate purpose with authenticity. And we saw a lot of activity in the last couple years, even last five years, but really a lot of focus around purpose, especially with the Colin Kaepernick ad from Nike. But purpose comes in as many diverse colors as our world exists. 
what I think a lot of marketers have struggled with sometimes is finding their purpose. Sometimes it's obvious and sometimes not so obvious. I'll never forget when I was talking with Tony Rogers, who at the time was the CMO of Walmart. He's now the chief member officer of Sam's Club. But Tony was telling us the story of how Walmart found their purpose. And it was something I'll never forget. So I'm going to let you hear his story directly. But he also told me in that same story about his mentor, Roy Spence. And I just knew I had to track down Roy Spence and talk to him too. So here's a clip from Tony, and then you'll hear directly from his mentor, Roy Spence. We moved our tagline from always low prices always to save money, live better, because we wanted to add more of an emotional component to the brand. And so all of that would have been fine as a, as a really, you know, I think it's a really solid rebranding project, repositioning project. But there was one other thing that we did in that project that I think will outlast all the other things that we did and, and probably outlast all of us. And that is we changed the mission statement. We changed the purpose of our company. And I got to give credit here to the other mentor in my career, who is a guy named Roy Spence down at GSDNM in Austin, Texas. And Roy is the person that taught me the power of purpose. And, and the idea is just that people who are bought in to a mission at, uh, at a deep emotional level in their soul will just deliver on a different level than people who are just mercenaries and they're there just to collect a paycheck. And, and so we said about this business of rediscovering our purpose. We found an amazing videotape of our founder, Sam Walton, receiving the presidential medal of freedom from George Bush. And and it's the highest civilian award you can receive in this country. And in his, and by the way, this is Sam Walton in his last year of his life, he was suffering from cancer and this was really his last public appearance. And in this speech, he said, if we work together, we'll give the world an opportunity to see what it's like to save and have a better life. And boy, when we found that tape, we found those words, we realized that our work was done you didn't need a bunch of MBAs to come in here and figure out the purpose. You, you had already had it articulated by Sam Walton. And that really is something that we've spent the last decade trying to insert every place we can in this company. And, and like I said, that probably lasts longer than any kind of a rebranding or repositioning project. We did a book called It's Not What You Sell, It's What You Stand For about 10 years ago. And truly, we were out there wandering in the wilderness when we were talking about purpose. But two quick stories, and I'll get to uh, Walmart with Tony and a bunch of people really challenged us. I kept telling Sam Walton they were in the business to let people have a good life for less. And we kept talking through that, and that's when we came up with the line, save money, live better. So we laddered out of the discount business up to the purpose business of have, helping people live better for less. Southwest Airlines been our client for 35 years, still is. And I was 28 years old and Herb Kelleher had 28 airplanes. And he called me and we've been doing business and we started realizing that Southwest Airlines wasn't in the airline business. We were in the business to give people the freedom to fly. We were in the freedom business. So a couple of things is what is purpose? It's the definitive difference you're trying to make in the world. 
Lowe's, uh, which has an awesome purpose. I didn't do it, but uh, I tell people I did, but not not on a podcast because people will call me on it. But <laughs> think about this. I think it came from an associate. She said, I think we're in the business to help people love where they live. Hmm. Changes everything. Secondly, it has to be authentic. Third, we ought to change the name from just chief marketing officers to chief purpose officers. Because marketing is the carrier of the purpose. If you do it right and it's authentic, CMOs, when they take it and embrace it, they affect not only the consumer market, they affect the culture of the organization. And I've always told CMOs, if they will listen, you have the opportunity to be a force for good, especially when you're purpose driven. So that's what it is. And we find that the best organizations are driven by purpose. And Jim Collins, one of my great friends, he'll be a neighbor of yours, by the way, in Boulder. Um, he wrote the book, as you know, a bunch of books, but the two that affected me the most was Built to Last and Good to Great. And we became best friends, literally. And he has one thing, it's on my wall right now. And this was 10 years ago or so. The great visionary companies, the ones that are built to last, will always have a purpose beyond making money. And in the process, we'll make more money. Another topic that comes up all the time on CMO Moves is diversity, inclusion, equality, and equity. And we have a duty as leaders and tribe members of the marketing community to advocate and sponsor diverse voices. We all know by now, hopefully, that diversity is good for business. It's also important to the health of our industry and the delight of our customers and most importantly respect for our teammates to ensure that everyone has a seat at the table and that their voice is being heard. If you've tuned in to CMO Moves more than once, you will have heard me talk about this more than once. I think in fact it comes up on just about every episode of CMO Moves. But one of our listeners, Afri Amankwa, Submitted a vote for Fiona Carter's podcast. Fiona is the global chief brand officer of AT&T. And in this podcast, Fiona had a lot to say, given she is the co-chair of See Her with Mark Pritchard. Uh, but she also talked a lot about how she's been coaching her own daughter. This was definitely a priceless moment for all of us. Well, I'm trying to make an impact on the world. I'm inspired by the women in my family. So I told you the story about my mother. Um, if I fast forward to today or say a few years ago when I think about my five-year-old daughter, it's interesting that I feel those same limits that my mother experienced when she was looking at her life ahead and what she could do with it. I feel like my daughter was experiencing those five years ago. So what do I mean by that? My five-year-old daughter would keep coming to me saying, mommy, why does everyone call me a princess? I'm a gymnast and I like reading and I like running around and I'm not really a princess who just puts on pretty clothes. What is that about? Why do they keep calling me that? And I explained that society has just learned and decided that girls today would be called princesses. But here's the way to view it. I said to her, a princess is just like being a CEO. You're in charge of a country. 
<laughs> you have to look after a lot of people. They're relying on you. You have to make sure that they're financially secure, that the borders are secure, that they are emotionally safe, that they have a strong future ahead of them. Like, that's a lot of work, being a leader like a princess, like a CEO. And she's like, oh, OK, I got it. I guess that's kind of exciting. All right, <laughs> I can get into that. Um, but what was so interesting to me was that we – uh, we hadn't really evolved in all those decades between my mother being a 20-year-old and my daughter being a five-year-old. We hadn't evolved. Like, we were still putting labels on women in particular as to what they can be and who they should be. And I, and I think that is perhaps my secret inspiration as I look at my career at AT&T. I had my epiphany when I moved from agency to in-house at AT&T. In my first few months, I was looking at a business advertising campaign for AT&T business, scripts, approved concepts, look at casting, classic stuff. And I realized that all of the casting was fitting into stereotypes. The CEO in the business ad was a white man. The manager of the factory was a person of color. Women didn't really speak in the spots. And I was like, that's not right. Why are we defining the stereotypes in this advertising? Why are we reinforcing the stereotypes? And it really was an epiphany because I kind of looked around the room and I was like, oh my goodness, I can change that because I can say no. So I sent the casting back and everyone's like, oh, it's that women's thing again. <laughs> I sent the casting back and I asked for us very rigorously and scrupulously to make sure that we were casting in a truly diverse and inclusive way moving forward. And I emboldened my team and said, it's on all of us because this will keep coming back. It's just unconscious bias. It's the way society has been built, but we need to change it because we know that nine hours of media are watched every day by most people. We know that we're one of the largest advertisers in the US and we put out like over thousands and thousands of pieces of advertising. So if we change it, we're going to show a whole new world to girls like my daughter, to uh, women like my mother, to everybody, a whole new world that shows them what they really can be and shows them that there are no limits to their ambitions, to their hopes, to their desires. So let's do that because we want to really reflect the world that we live in and we want to reflect the world of our customers. For another great episode of Women Supporting Women, uh, please check out Gail Tifford's podcast, who is the chief brand officer of WW International, uh, formerly known as Weight Watchers. Gail is the actual co-founder of Sear, and this was a really touching podcast for a number of reasons, including some very memorable moments with Gail as she shared some of her earlier struggles in her career. But we just mentioned Mark Pritchard not too long ago, and Mark Pritchard is the Chief Brand Officer of Procter & Gamble. And he and Antonio Lucio, who is now the CMO of Facebook, did a CMO Moves duos together. And I had the great pleasure of hosting them, but honestly, they interviewed each other. It was so funny because even at the end of the, the podcast, Mark said to me, he said, now let me get this straight. It's your podcast, but we do all the work. And I said, yep, that's exactly right. But uh, there was really no need for me to be involved in the conversation. I mean, these two are legends, and they talked a lot about the initiatives both at Procter & Gamble and Facebook. But again, diversity and inclusion is top of mind. So here's what they had to say. But as a, as a brand, let me ask you a question about one area of the branding that you and I are both super passionate about. 
because I think this this pervades all of the work that we do. Let's talk about diversity because we're both really, really passionate about things like uh, hashtag see her and free the bid, free the work and other activities. Why are you so into that? And and how is it playing out at Facebook? Yeah, so uh, Mark, you and I share the passion. Uh, we, we fundamentally believe that our businesses are driving, as we just said, by innovation and constant reinvention. And the research is clear in terms of diverse teams do perform better when it comes uh, to innovation and when it comes to solving complex tasks. So it is critically important that we work on two areas simultaneously. Number one, representation, because without representation, the, the conversation about inclusion becomes meaningless and inclusion so that the people that are coming in to our, our workforce are heard and can have the impact that we all want them to have in our business. Like you, I believe that this will be driven by holistic and systemic change, which means clients have to change, agencies needs to change, uh, production houses needs to change, and then at the end, you have to be able to measure performance and demonstrate that all this work actually matters and that it drives the top line that we all care for. So uh, setting the right level of objective, setting the right level of top-down oversight, uh, because it starts from the top, be able to have articulated and crisp, concrete plans and be able to report progress is what, what it's going to take. So whether it was uh, the initiatives that we started at HP, the initiative that we have now at Facebook, our partnership with you in Free the Work, I think that we need to continue uh, with the focus on both the um, inclusion side of the house, which a lot of people like to talk about today, but uh, inclusion without representation is not going to move the needle over time because the numbers, frankly, are not improving uh, fast enough. So that, that's what we're doing, and we're committed. What about you guys? Yeah, we look at things very similar to the way you do, and not surprising, since you and I have been working on this for quite some time. There's a couple of things we do, or three things probably. One is... We want to make sure we have an accurate and realistic portrayal of all people in our advertising and the media on which we run. So that's whether it be gender, race, ethnicity, ability, religion, gender or sexual identity, and age. The other thing we want to do is periodically take a stand because nine out of 10 people feel better about a brand if they take some kind of a stand on equality or other aspects of society. And so that's why we take a stand on things like like a girl, uh, always change destiny on SK2, uh, fearless to face anything on Olay and share the load on Ariel. And in order to be able to do that well, we have to have representation at every aspect of the supply chain. So on our brand groups, with our agencies and behind the camera, and we feel good about gender. We're 50-50 in gender. We're about three promotions away from being 50-50 at every level within our company, um, in our brand organization. We're about 48% with our agencies. And the problem is that behind the camera, we need work, which is why we're so passionate about Free the Work, because we're less than a quarter of our commercials and content are being directed by women. And so we're doing a full core press on that because it makes such a difference when you have someone behind the camera that reflects who you're seeing it. Now that's gender. The The next frontier is really going after race and ethnicity, which the entire industry needs work 
on that front. And so that's one of the areas that we're really pushing on and it's why we're passionate about the Alliance for Inclusive Multicultural Marketing and their work on See All, um, which is essentially the, think about it as a companion to um, hashtag See Her on gender. We're going to keep going and keep driving things like See Her, See All, and Free the Work. So I could go on and on and on with a big list of podcasts where we talk about DNI. Uh, there are so many of them and so many big fan favorites. I just want to name a couple here. Uh, Carla Hassan for putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Jen Say of Levi's for the honest truth about life and leadership. And Rick Gomez, uh, the CMO of Target. Rick is now the Chief Marketing, Digital, and Strategy Officer of Target. And Rick has been on the show twice now, once in 2018 when he was CMO of Target, and then again just recently with his new title uh, with Pam Kaufman in a duos. Pam is the president of Viacom CBS Consumer Products now. We're going to hear from them later as well, so that's going to be funny. So you can just hang on for that moment. Uh, but in this particular clip from Rick Gomez, he shared something very personal that really moved me. It moved a ton of listeners because he shared the reaction of his father when he first told his father that he got the job. Went through the series of interviews and then come January, Brian Cornell, our CEO, called me into his office and he sat me down and he said, being a CEO, it's not an easy job. You got some good days and you got some bad days. And he said, today it's a good day because I get to offer you the CMO role. And that is a moment that I will never forget. And when I walked out of his office, the very first person that I called was my dad. Awesome. And I called him and I said, dad, I got the job. And he got unusually quiet. He didn't say anything. And then I could hear him and he was crying. And I said, dad, why are you crying? This is good news. And he said, I didn't think we were going to get it. And you have to understand for a Hispanic family, it is very much we. It is our career. It's mine, my family, it's my parents. And I said, well, why didn't you think we were going to get it? And he said, I thought we had hit a glass ceiling. And he got quiet again. And he said, son, you know what this means? I said, no, dad, what does it mean? He said, you better not screw this up. So that advice <laughs> sticks with me. I think about it often and that I'm in this role representing not just myself, not just my family, not just my team, but a community. And that's really important to me. So, so far, so good, right? So yep. far, so good. Knock on wood. <laughs> we have momentum. That's right. Uh, oh my gosh. What a great story. And I want to spend the rest of the podcast just talking about that because it's so awesome. I mean, let's take at least a minute and talk about that. I mean, when you say your dad still believed there was a glass ceiling, what do you think now that you've broken through that? Do you think there is one there? 
I'll give you my perspective on it. I actually believe there is an opportunity for a whole lot more diversity, particularly in C-suite, particularly in Fortune 50 companies. Um, and that's coming from somebody, I am Latino, I am gay, and I think there needs to be more people like me in these kinds of roles. And it's not because I think it's a right thing to do. I actually think it's a competitive advantage. I think being able to have more diversity in the C-suite enables for better problem solving, better solutions. I think it can lead to better business results. I think we need more women, more people of color, and more change. I'm gonna add one more here. It's Julian Duncan, the first black CMO of the NFL, sharing his story and his responsibility to others. Just on that topic of inclusivity, one of the things that's working that we talked about is that people are actually talking about inclusion and inclusivity. The fact that it's on our lips is a great thing, but we have to take it a step further, right? We have to move it from being a check the box and move it towards us being intentional with our actions and making sure that it's hard-coded in our DNA. One of the things that I shared with you guys yesterday is that with the Jaguars, one of our values is that Every voice matters, irrespective of tenure or title, mm-hmm. right? So we want to make sure that everybody has a seat at the table, everybody has a voice, and that everybody is heard. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to just agree with everything that's thrown out on the table. It has to make strategic and creative sense, but we want to make sure that all of those voices are being heard so that we can maximize our, our potential with the output that we're trying to get after. I'll say what's on my heart real quick, and then I'll answer your last question. So, you know, I'm really excited to be a part of your family now because I have a burning passion to increase the levels of minority participation in in marketing at the highest level, at the senior levels, at the decision-making levels. And I want, if there's another Julian Duncan, if there's another JD growing up in the, the inner city of any city USA, I want them to know that this is possible. Mm -hmm. I want them to know that there are other people like myself in industry leading and that they can do it too. I want them to know that if you can't throw a football, but you love football, if you can't shoot a basketball, but you love basketball, you can still be a part of the games, but you can do so from other places and you can do so at the highest level in seats of leadership. It's possible. And that's what, again, that's, I have a burning passion for that. And that's one of the messages that I want to make sure gets out there. Mm-hmm. And I want to do my part to help accelerate that conversation and accelerate the matriculation of those minority individuals into those positions. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to, you know, even say that. Oh, um, my God. Thank the, you for sharing that. I support yeah. you 2000%. Anything thank I you. can do to help you in that mission, I will. Thank you very much. Let's not forget about age diversity either, because this is such an important contribution to not just our teams and our talent, but also in the consumer landscape from all ages. You know, what I find really interesting is the influence of the younger generation on all of us. I remember talking with Heidi Browning Pearson, who is the CMO of the NHL, sharing with me a story about an 11-year-old girl, a super fan, who came to her with a full PowerPoint presentation of ideas for the NHL. I remember talking with Bozama St. John just recently, who's a CMO of Endeavor, and looking at her daughter, who is 10 and a half, we can't forget the half, she said, and being inspired with her love of life and 
in Bose's podcast, she really reminds us to live life urgently and be the campfire. So you have to tune in to figure out what that's all about, but it's pretty compelling. And then also Pam Kaufman, I just mentioned her from Viacom, creating an entire business around Jojo Siwa. I mean, we get inspiration as marketers from every single corner of the world and every single person. So I will now move on. I hope you are okay with me having gone deep into DNI, but this is a topic that hopefully you all already know is important and are helping to move the needle in the right direction. The other thing that's truly remarkable about CMO moves, and, and you've heard a little bit of it already uh, up until now, is just how much these leaders are willing to share so they can help the next generation. Some of the podcasts have gone so incredibly deep into personal situations that even I'm surprised we're tackling some of these topics, but they're really important and they they shape us as human beings, as professionals, as wives and husbands and mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers. The number of emails I get or LinkedIn messages or Twitter DMs from folks who have tuned in and heard some of these episodes is truly remarkable. Uh, it, it actually changes people's lives to be able to hear these kinds of tips. A really great example is Mary Beach when she was the CMO of Kate Spade. She's getting ready to announce her new role soon, so hang on tight. But Mary shared a very intimate story about having to change the priorities in her life from being a professional first to a mother second to a wife third and and flip that upside down. And as she said, she needed to put the oxygen mask on first to be of the most use. And that meant to help herself first, she needed to be a wife first, a mother second, an executive third. You'll have to tune in to hear her whole story on that because I simply cannot do it justice. But another one that constantly comes up as a popular favorite is Denise Carcos. We recorded this episode when she was the CMO at TD Ameritrade. Denise is now the CMO at SiriusXM Pandora. And we called this episode, Get Out of Your Own Way. Another story is also related to perspective. I remember um, when I was working at an advertising agency, I went on with a team of people to pre-pitch going to the next day to the CEO. And we went in prepared. We, we did the whole pitch. And at the end of it, the CEO said, oh, um, sounds good. We're, um, that's good. And we were kind of marched out of his office. And I look at the team and I said, well, that's, that's terrible. Like, we didn't get an attaboy. We didn't get a you know great job. And this more senior gentleman looked at me and he said, he's trying to run a company. It, you, do you have any context of what else is on his mind right now? And so, you know, I, I think I'll close this part of the, the advice loop and say, one of the things, the best gifts I could have ever have been granted throughout my career is this idea of perspective and knowing that people have a lot more going on than what's happening in the moment. So when you go home at night, like we all tend to do and rehash the day and say, did I sound dumb on this call or um, did that person looked at me funny? Did, did I not come across the way I wanted to come across? When you do all of that, um, those mental exercises that bring you down and tear you down, 
just know that no one else is thinking about you. They're, they're changing their kids' diapers and they're trying to put food on the table or they're thinking about the next board meeting or they're running a company. It, have the perspective to get out of your own way and don't be the, your own hold back to your own success by kind of doing these mental gymnastics where you're tearing yourself down and thinking that the world's criticizing you because I guarantee they're not. So as you can imagine, I was laughing almost uncontrollably the whole way through recording with Denise. It, you really have to, to hear the whole episode, especially the story around the girl in the bush that will forever be burned in my brain. But, you know, this has a lot to do with personal branding, right? And the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we present ourselves, our influence, and how we put enough confidence in ourselves and in others. And we had a really powerful episode with Dara Traceder, who is the CMO of Carbon now, but at the time she was the CMO of GE Ventures. And she gave some incredible advice about personal branding. We actually called her episode, Manage Your Personal Brand Like a Startup. How do you think about your role as a mentor and, and pick the areas to focus on? So what I typically do, depending on who it is that I'm mentoring, is focus on where I can be of most value. Mm -hmm. So sometimes women might come up to me and say, hey, I'm really interested in becoming a C-level executive. Um, I would like for you to mentor me. And what I say to them is, hey, I would love to join your personal board of advisors or personal <laughs> board of directors, right? You're, it's going to take a lot more than me to help you get there. Right. But I would love to be an agent mm -hmm. in this process. Mm -hmm. So consider me invited <laughs> to your personal board of directors. And then what I do is I can provide guidance on certain areas where I feel like I have the subject matter expertise, mm -hmm. whether it's by things I've lived, right, or I've experienced, or I just know from my own practice, um, my own kind of knowledge base. So I can advise them on those particular areas. Mm -hmm. I would say one of the core areas that I'm seeing a lot of help is I need to break in to the C-level position, especially for women of color. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is not a glass ceiling. We're trying to shatter concrete here, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And, and it's tough mm -hmm. because it's almost like you need someone to give you that first shot mm -hmm. that kind of gets the credibility that allows you to move on. Um, but how do you get that first time mm -hmm. position? And so I spent a lot of time investing in and working with women of color who are trying to shatter that concrete block. <laughs> block. <laughs> Any success tips that you've uncovered? I think, you know, the personal board of directors has been really effective. And there's actually a talk that I give called Think Like a Startup. That actually emerged from some of my mentorship sessions <laughs> with some of these women where it's like, look, we have to approach this like a startup. How are we going to get you that good valuation? How are we going <laughs> to get you that exit that we're desiring? And how do we bring kind of everything we know about crafting a value proposition, building a killer team, marketing and selling your product, investing in your product? How do we bring all of these things together to make you the best product we can make wow. to help you get where you need to go? So along with, let's say, managing you comes managing others. And this is always an important topic. It's around talent development. I recently had on the show two really incredible leaders, Deborah Wall, the global CMO of GM, and Vineet Mira, the global CMO of Walgreens Boots Alliance. 
And I'm going to share a little bit from both of their episodes here because it's really interesting how they're thinking about talent today and talent tomorrow. So you're going to hear from Deborah about busting myths and you're going to hear from Vineet about cultivating unicorns. In the past, uh, uh, you know, you either were creative or you were analytical. So in marketing, either you went to the creative side or you went to the media side if you were more analytical numbers focused. I really think that's a complete myth that we need to bust. Uh, I think people are absolutely just as capable of being creative and analytical at the same time as at any time. It just goes back to like old ways of educating and the tracks that we put people in. The more and more that we study, the more the more that you see them absolutely join together. So I think that's the next thing for all of us to do, sort of bust the old myths about where talent is and what they're good at and think about how we start using people in different ways, helping them form their talents together in different ways, uh, really becoming good at that because that's really the future of our industry. I think the truth is, is that we all have to cultivate unicorns because if you look back at the last 15 to 20 years of how marketing training has been done, look, it's been great training and it's about different brand building frameworks on one hand or it's hardcore performance marketing on the other hand. And it's going to take a mix of all of these skill sets to bring this to life. And there's a lot of data out there showing a a couple of things as we sort of studied the topic. The first thing that we've begun to believe here at Walgreens Boots Alliance is that experience is no longer a proxy for capability. In fact, in many specific specialist capabilities, it may be that you need a very different generational cohort to run a lot of your hard-hitting SEM campaigns and performance marketing campaigns. I think the second thing that we've learned is that marketers uh, in general um, are struggling with technical topics across channels. So I know when we did an assessment of our own organization, it's things like A-B testing, SEO, programmatic advertising, attribution models, you know, data architecture, marketing automation. These are some of the things that are really, really challenging. And I know, I remember I read a McKinsey study which was that what's really interesting is that after years of product marketing and software engineering being the biggest demand to supply gap from a talent standpoint, it's actually increasingly now becoming digital marketing where demand is outstripping supply. So my personal point of view is that over the next kind of two, three, four, five years, real digital marketers and then those people that can truly connect the dots between technical performance marketing and brand storytelling and all of the technology and data architecture in between are going to define the next 15, 20 years of marketing. And so we're trying to build competencies across the company, and I'll share with you in a second how, around digital native capabilities, data architecture and plumbing capabilities, user experience and design, and then also diversity, because as you know, the population around the world is getting more and more diverse, especially here in the U.S., and we need our organizations to represent that. So the reason I felt strongly about including those couple of clips were because talent development is something that we all can help with inside and outside of organization. And at Adweek, one of the highlights of my entire career was being able to launch our executive mentor program. And through that, we were able to connect 116 mentees with 110 executive mentors. 
And we just wrapped up that first round, which I mentioned earlier in, in the show. I couldn't be more proud of everything we've accomplished and everything we've been able to do. I couldn't be more honored with the mentees and the mentors participating as they have. And I encourage everybody to truly take on being a mentor as often as you can, even if that means just having a cup of coffee with someone you can also learn from as well. So I never end any of my podcast without my final question. And this question, I, I, I don't even have any idea why I started asking this question, but I asked it from the very beginning. And it is, if you were not a CMO or in the role that you're in today and money and talent were of no object, what would you do? And the answers I got back were so diverse and funny and serious in some cases. Everything from wanting to be a chef to wanting to be a baseball player to a soccer player to a guitarist to a lead singer in a rock band, uh, pilot, bartender, bar owner. I mean, it's just all over the board. And it got me inspired one day that I actually wrote an article called The Secret Dreams of CMOs. But I didn't think it could get funnier until I started doing duos where two CMOs or two leaders interview each other. When I flipped the question around on them and asked them to guess what the other one would be if they weren't in the role they were in today, the answers are just drop dead hysterical. So here are a couple of examples. I always end my podcast with if you were not a CMO and money and talent were no object, you could do anything in the world except what you're doing now, mm-hmm. what would you do? And in both the podcasts that we had with you two, you answer that question. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to quiz you. Mm-hmm. What would Pam want to do? Oh, boy. I know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I know the answer. I think Pam would like to be a professor or teach, not necessarily younger kids, but like older kids. I literally said that to my best friend last night. But you also said it on no. your podcast. <laughs> oh. You said it to thousands oh. of people. No. Really funny. Oh my God, that's so wow. No, I said that last night also when I was coming home from my Madonna concert. Yeah. I my friend said, What do you want to do? And I said, I really would love to teach. Yeah, I'm not a mind college. reader. I just listen to oh, the podcast. Sorry. Wow. All right. You want to guess what Rick? Oh, is? well, I feel like um, yeah. I think you would also teach. That's close. I feel like but you... But it's not as serious a teaching as your kind of teaching. My, what I had said I would like to do is to be a soul cycle instructor because, one, they're in amazing shape. They're super inspirational, right? And they have rhythm. You could do... Like, I, I want all those. But but I I think I got it right. Because you, right. you would be... Inspi- you you want to inspire... College and I'll teach spin class. <laughs> Done. Done. Deal. <laughs> I love that. Okay, all right, so we're going to end this thing with something fun. And at the end of every CMO Moves, I always ask, if money or talent were no object, what would you be doing? And since I already asked you both that in each of your podcasts, I want you to guess what each other's answers were. Ooh, ooh. 
I got I gotta listen to your podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not well, this, this is not good. Easy for me because I've listened to him. Yours came out like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, let me let me think. Come mine on. is mine is easy, but or right. I mean yours is easy because I know. <laughs> okay, I don't know, but I I I I I, make I don't a great know. I think newscaster, by the way, or anchor, or whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Would I, I would. Love, I would. I, that's what I would be if I wouldn't do this. And you, I, I gotta, I gotta. I think for I think you do something like entertainment related, like musician or something like 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 music, some kind of entertainment. I sing. I sing. You sing? Yeah, so I do. What, what but that, that, well, that wasn't okay. the answer. No, but entertainment is close. <laughs> entertainment. It, it, Something. So, You'll be an entertainer. It's close. I, I was. I said I would be an event party planner for children's birthday parties. Wow. Yeah. It sounds. It sounds like. It sounds sometimes like what CMOs do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so true. <laughs> It's, oh my God. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Diego, you've had a lot of special requests for that 6.30 p.m. voice. You want to close this out? Absolutely. This was the news that was. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. Okay. So, so there you have it. CMO Moves. And I couldn't get to every episode. And I know this is a long one. But I hope this was helpful to give you a flavor of what we've done in the last two years and some of the key takeaways from all of the incredible guests. I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge all the incredible listeners, too. We also didn't have time to call everybody out who sent in all of their submissions. So I'm just going to quickly say thank you to a few people. Kelly Bird, TJ, Kathleen Scoville, Harriet Sittler, Brenda Van Camp. Issa Mutlieb, Bobby Kylile, Elton Soares, Samantha Klein, and Women in Marketing, Ade, and Mike from Sprinkler. Uh, there's so many more, but I have to call out Mike for a very special reason. When I first started publishing CMO Moves, Mike would come up with these fantastic designs. They were always unique, and he would always tweet them out based on what he heard on CMO Moves. Mike, thank you for that. You're going to have to share with me like a whole file of all your drawings. Uh, They were really cool. And thank you all for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 